Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar, weekdays at 2 on Mile High Sports. As it stands, the Colorado Avalanche are second in the Central Division, one point behind the Dallas Stars. They have one game in hand. Hard to believe you're still talking about game in hand. And but of therefore, course, have a better winning percentage. Correct. And as of this moment. Of the West. Now, the Stars will finish their schedule. The Their 82nd game will be tonight when uh, they go ahead and go again on that back-to-back against the Blues. They won 5-2 to two last night. They now go back to Dallas, where you'd think and they're likely that to win was, again. Uh, a beatdown. Yeah, it was pretty. Um, St. Louis kind of looked like they've checked out. They, they checked out. Yeah. They, uh, they like had their backup goaltender, but Dallas had its backup goaltender. They're resting. Sure, and he, he will play tonight, undoubtedly, in Dallas. And I don't know if any will play or not. Probably doesn't make much difference. You would expect Dallas to win this game. Yeah. Um, the chore for the Avalanche is very basic. Uh, they win tonight and they win tomorrow night. It doesn't matter what Dallas does tonight. Yeah, keep winning. I mean, when you're talking about Just the way that winning. it's favored on the money line tonight, Dallas minus 305, only a couple uh-huh. teams are more than that. The Oilers are minus 550 against the Sharks uh, uh, as they're rolling. And, of course, the uh, the uh, Boston Bruins, uh, pretty heavy favorites, minus 345 over the Canadian. But right under that, the minus 292 are your Colorado yeah. Avalanche. Expected yes, they, to win they over a Jets tonight. team. Uh, who are they are better than? And as we've talked about, the Jets are locked in eighth. It is not only to their advantage to set players. They would be foolish not to set players. I agree. Why would you risk injury knowing that and you have the, the playoffs we, in a couple of games know, and win or lose makes no difference? We know Rick Bonus a little bit around here mm-hmm. for the various connections. And uh, I have great respect for Rick Bonus as a coach. He took over for Jim Montgomery in Dallas and uh, beat the Avalanche out of a playoff series. Uh, yes, he did. Um, so uh, I, I do have respect for him, and he also yelled at Dean Everson the other night, and I liked that a whole lot, <laughs> I especially did too. since his team was winning the game. And uh, I didn't understand I do, Everson's I reaction yeah, was, because his team was getting its butt with. Now, I, if he's winning, I can understand he shrugs it off. But, uh, by the way, the player, the player about which they were arguing, mm-hmm. about whom they were arguing, uh, was suspended, I do believe. You are correct, All yes. Right. Uh, uh, so, uh, the better of the yeah. argument Ryan, Ryan Hartman got a one-game yeah. suspension for that, that hit on, for, on, uh, being Ayl- a on Nick, yeah, Nikolai Ayler's and... Yeah. Uh, uh, and so, that's yeah. what they were arguing about. Mm-hmm. And uh, there is a suspension for uh, the, the, the Wild there. They won't have him... Uh, in their final game, but uh, on the bright side, too, doesn't a- matter. Uh, Ehlers Good. is not in the concussion protocol, fortunately, but is unlikely to play tonight. As well, you could imagine, why would you even consider? So, it? you know, I, and it, since it, he's it, out, why not? I, you don't like to see a guy concussed, but you know, I mean, good it, to see that he's not. Uh, he's not. He'll be fine. Probably for the playoffs. Yeah. So here you go already. Uh, you know, from uh, from our friends up in Canada, you always want to check out some of the, the hockey stuff, especially Canadian teams. You know, go to the big dog, go to TSN, and uh, they are reporting now uh, five. Well, Ailers will of course not be playing. The Jets will rest Shifley, Mark yeah. Shifley, <laughs> their bet 
best player. Uh, right. Pierre Luc Dubois. Yeah. Blake Wheeler. Yes, defenseman Josh Morrissey. Very Nate Schmidt. They have called out, uh, called up Dominic Toninato from the AHL to play tonight. Um, David Riddich will start instead of Connor Hellebuck. Excellent. Winnipeg is <laughs> more than happy to let this one go. And to Winnipeg, tonight. it makes no difference whether it's Dallas or the It'll A. be the first start in for Riddich in almost a month. His last start was March 14th. So, obviously, this is not... Goal uh, should be plentiful. Yeah, not a game in which the, uh, the the Jets particularly care if they win or lose, obviously. And, you know, we'll, we'll see what Nashville has to offer uh, tomorrow. Nashville uh, does play the Wild tonight, so Nashville has to go. I understand they're at home, but they have to go on back-to-back nights. Back-to-back nights, too. Right, so it's it's no worse off, and of course they're eliminated. So, yep. uh, you know, no matter this is the bright side for the Avs. No matter what Dallas does tonight, and quite frankly, you should probably assume based on the performance we saw last night uh, that they will win at again. Home, they will win. Yes, uh, the Avs should win this game as well as as the uh, the Jets but are basically punting. Maybe it. we'll be surprised as they should. I mean, if I were if I were Rick Bonus, if I were the Jets, I'd be doing exactly what oh, he's doing. Uh, no doubt, I, exactly what he's no doing. Doubt. I'm like, I don't care if we no lose this and game. I just don't want important guys know, to get hurt. You, you got rest. you got Bonus feuding with. The Minnesota coach, and he got fired by Dallas. Right. So, and this is Winnipeg's, (laughs) again, the the Avs situation is weird, right? Because this is also Winnipeg's last game of the season. Their next game is the playoffs. So, yeah, of course you're going to rest all your guys. It makes perfect sense. So, they don't care if they win or lose this game at all. The Avalanche do. Hopefully, you'll get a good performance there. And then they give themselves an opportunity to simply take the Central tomorrow night. With a win over right. an eliminated Predators team that's probably also frustrated they have to play an extra day later than everybody else. Because they they're ready to go get tea be, times. Because the game between these two teams, Nashville and Colorado, was postponed back in December because of a rainstorm or an ice storm. I can't remember which yeah. it was exactly, but there was something like a leak in there the water. There was a water main or loop. Yeah, yeah some sort of water happened. issue in the And they had to... Uh, postpone the game right and in buffalo they had a snowstorm i think a little bit later on that resulted in buffalo having to play right tomorrow night in a game game that means nothing for buffalo because buffalo has been eliminated yeah in this particular that was back on uh in november that game was was postponed the predators oh right the the buffalo snowstorm the big one was november was uh it might have been but this is when the abs were postponed too wasn't that that november um was it november it was in november And uh, they they postponed that game. It was in November, and Predators, uh, the CEO then, Sean Henry, said three feet of water standing in certain parts of the arena. Water main break outside the arena. Outside the arena. And uh, it obviously got into the arena, and that was... So um, it really wasn't weather-related, but there was a pipe that... Yeah, yeah, and that was... uh, So the the game was supposed to be on on that Friday that... um, Yeah, supposed to be on that Friday, and it ended up getting canceled because there was no way to do it. Because it snowed... So often in Buffalo. <laughs> in Buffalo, yeah. Could have been any, any one of those. Could have been any one of those uh, games in there. But uh, I I think we will see Georgiev tonight. And if something weird happens with Dallas and they somehow lose in regulation to St. Louis, the Avs could, in theory, and that's, clinch that's tonight. The interesting point. But that was They'd true last night, In regulation, too. because yeah. Dallas They'd have to has lose in the tiebreaker. Right. That's important to know. Based on regulation wins, which I think is a stupid tiebreaker. That's a dumb tiebreaker. However, however, that's the rule. It is. And you're essentially awarding Dallas for being a terrible overtime shootout team 
and penalizing the Avalanche for being 15 and seven in such yeah, if scenarios. You're do that. Do the regulation and overtime wins, right? I believe it should be, if it's anything along those lines, and that would be regulation to to plus overtime wins and exclude the shootout wins, which yeah. are never as numerous as the overtime wins. Yeah. So regulation and overtime wins, were they to do that, the Avs would have 43 to the Stars 42 because the Avs have nine overtime wins, not shootout, nine overtime wins. And Dallas has four. So, yeah. Whatever. Anyway, th- th- as long as... Uh, I have no idea why Dallas is such a bad team in overtime or the shootouts because they strange, have right? top-end talent. Yeah. And they have a great goaltender. 14 overtime losses. The uh, only two teams worse in the West. Right. Uh, clearly, needless to say, both been eliminated for a while. The Calgary Flames with 17 and yes. the Sharks with 16. Now, Anaheim Ducks are the worst team in the entire Mark West. Mark 12. Who was great last year has been bad this year for Calgary. And I think we saw with San Jose in two games last week by they've lost quite frequently in overtime and shootouts and they have lost 43 so their essential record is 22 and 59 Anaheim is 23 and 58 so although Anaheim is in last place behind San Jose actually in terms of games won and games actually lost, Anaheim's had a better record this year. But that's the way it goes in a league where you have three-point value on some games mm-hmm. and two-point value on others. The only sport in which that is the case and gives rise, I think unfairly at times, to the view that the NHL is a Bush League compared to the NBA Major League oh, yeah, Baseball yeah, and the National Football League. That's a little strong. Terribly unfair. But it is true in college hockey, for example. In league play, I think virtually throughout the college hockey landscape, that every game is worth three points. If you win in regulation, you get all three. If you win in overtime, you get a win. It doesn't go in the third column, but you get two points and the loser gets one. Yeah, and I, I've always thought something that might be better simply because it's less Byzantine for people breaking into the sport and looking at it, looking at the standings. I, mean, I don't even know what I'm looking at. There's a lot of sort of bizarre things. I'm even fine with basically, I, I get the points and I know they wouldn't move away from it, but I'm always fine even with the notion of, hey, if the rule in the regular season is we play overtime and go to a shootout, that's everyone's rule, get a win or lose. I don't care. It's a win or it's a loss. Yeah, doesn't matter to me. And I mean, if the rule is that's how you put them in the, the regular NHL season. The NHL has always had a third column. And once they have a fourth sometimes column. sometimes a fourth. Oh, right. it's a nightmare. But to break it down this year, the Dallas Stars have won 46 and lost 35. The Avalanche have won 49 and lost 31. It's not even close. And they're trailing. The Avalanche yeah. win tonight. They have 50 wins. They're the only team that will have 50 wins in the division. And... uh perhaps, other than Vegas, the only team in the conference, although I have a feeling that Edmonton will uh, win at home tonight against San Jose. It's just a and that's But that's I, an important just game. Just An important game because if you're... But Edmonton would have 50 wins if they win mm-hmm. that game. But the, keep an eye out on those games in the Pacific because it is, it is interesting, right? Okay, the Kings play the Ducks. They have 102 points. They have 36 regulation wins. Let's say they lost. Let's say the Seattle Kraken knock off the Vegas Golden Knights. The Kraken have 37. 
the Kraken would jump out of the wild card spot and into the spot where the Kings are. They're playing better than the Kings. So the Kings need to win that game. The Oilers have more regulation wins than the Golden Knights. If the Golden Knights were to lose to the Kraken and the Oilers win, the Oilers will take the top seed in the entire West. There's Which a they lot. they should have. I, I have to admit. they Edmonton's the best team. Edmonton is 17-2-1 since March 1st. And if you go up maybe a couple of weeks, they've lost one game in regulation in about a month. Yeah. One. But all game those games in, regulation. in the Pacific tonight matter. Yes, they do. We're coming down to the last Absolutely game and they, they matter. Uh, the Kings, since March 11th, 8-5-2. and two. That's a team the Avalanche recently beat. That's a team I wouldn't mind facing in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, their goaltending is not very good, and they are, uh, as they say, trending down. And it's possible the, the Avs could actually get them. The presumption has been, well, it'll be the Kraken. Well, not necessarily. The Kraken wins tonight. The Kings lose. It would be the Kings that the Avs would get. Now, the Oilers-Golden Knights things, we'll see. I'm, I'm more than content if the Oilers stay at three because I'm more than happy to see a potential Western Conference Finals with the Avs and Oilers with four of those games being here. Well, it looks like a rematch from last year's Western Conference Final. They look like the best two teams. And as we said the other day, and as the Telecasters also said the other night, if they were to meet this year, it will not be a four-game sweep. (laughs) That seems reasonably safe. In favor of either team. So the Stars likely to win tonight, almost certainly going to win tonight. I mean, maybe maybe you get lucky. The Avs need that win. As you pointed out, they they need a regulation win. The, if the Avs get if the if the Stars win and the Avs get an overtime win, then they will finish second and they will host Minnesota in the first round because they won't be they could catch them, but they won't have the regulation win. So the well, Avs need to not only win this game but win it in regulation. Yeah, I mean uh, the Jets aren't even trying. Well, for the most I, I mean, part, but, but you have if, to get it done. If you win the next two games in overtime, that's one hundred nine to Dallas's one hundred eight. You can win the next two games in overtime still. Yeah, you still get your two points. Right. There's no tiebreaker. You're, they're you're they're separated you're by oh, one yeah. point. I, I misspoke on that. So, you're exactly uh, correct. Yeah, we all get so tiebreaker right. conscious that sometimes we forget. Right. To get to a tiebreaker, you need a tie. Correct. Right. You're exactly right. So yeah, if they win the they win the next two. They're good. Whether you're you're correct. I I misspoke there. Whether it's overtime, it doesn't matter. Win the next two. Tonight looks good, but these are the kind of games that at times. They can be tough to play because there was a lot yeah. of emotion invested the other night against Edmonton, and it, and it feels like it's it's that there's, and it uh, isn't like they'll be getting guys back. Tonight. I would like to see the Avs. I, I would be mildly worried, Sandy, if this game came out of the first period and it was zero zero or one to one, because this is an opportunity for Jets guys that don't play. Because that, that's the thing when these happen, right? I mean, the team yeah. doesn't have as much talent on the ice. Well, it, but the guys nice that are on the ice one more, or two early. those yeah. guys are going to play their hearts out. This is their opportunity to, to make a show for their team or maybe their next yeah. team or who knows what. Uh, and uh, for the Avalanche, you just don't want to give them any life early right. on. Uh, go ahead and get an early goal well, in this uh, and, you know, and, and play it out. We talked about this yesterday and uh, asked the question, uh, I think with Katie, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Who's the most valuable player for the Avalanche going back to mid-January? And I would and have voted it. the way she did. Yep, I would have had McKinnon mm-hmm. one, number two, Georgiev, and number three, Rantan. I think that's um, fair. It, in that order. Um, but you know who's the most important player, assuming he does play tonight between the pipes? I think it's Georgiev. Um, because 
if the Avalanche can just get one early, just get the lead and not be playing from behind, and Gorgiev will have a lot to say about that, I think they'll be all right. If they're up one nothing after one, I'm not concerned. I, yeah. I, you know, I think a shutout could be in the offing, but even with a shutout, you need to score, mm-hmm. and you probably need to get ahead tonight to take some of the anxiety and, away. Although this is an Avalanche team, even in its battered state, that's been through anxious moments, right. and I think the way they played the other night um, against a team that was totally healthy, well-rested, has been the hottest team in the league, including Boston, since the All-Star break. Mm -hmm. And the Avs, actually, since the All-Star break, I believe have been hotter than Boston. And that's saying something. Uh, I thought the Avs acquitted themselves very well, and if they commit 90% of the way they committed the other night, they'll be fine tonight. They just can't afford a total letdown and feel that because, you know, five players of some stature are sitting out for Winnipeg that they're home free. But pay attention to what they've been paying attention to lately, and that's the defensive end of the ice and keeping the puck out of their own net and staying out of the penalty box. The injury situation for the uh, Avalanche is interesting. One of their injured players will be returning tonight. That and a couple significant milestones. So I was wrong. They will be getting on some. On the offing, they will be. I'll tell you who next on My Life Sports. Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar, presented by Burnham Law. Hire the winner at BurnhamLaw.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. Well, literally four minutes ago, we'll, we'll get, we will uh, get to this first. Worth noting that there are some good news uh, injury situations for the Avalanche, but the team there's announced... There's good news and there's bad news. Yeah. We've been doing that a lot today, has haven't been we? a lot. A and, lot of uh, good news, bad news. There is good news coming, but we're going to talk about the bad news first. Maybe not a surprise. The Avalanche on their Twitter account, literally during that commercial break, sent this out saying, Colorado Avalanche Captain Gabriel Landeskog will not play in the 2023 Stanley Cup playoffs due to a knee injury. The organization, organization, sorry, I should say it in hockey terms. The organization, organization. announced yeah. this afternoon the 30-year-old forward has missed the entire 2022-23 regular season. So Gabriel Landeskog not coming back for any of the run. There is a part of me, Sandy, of course, obviously, it look, it, it hurts. We, You have talked specifically about how important it is it would be to have Landeskog back. At the same time, it is in many ways better to just rip this Band-Aid off right now prior to the playoffs so the players, uh, coach staff, everybody understands, look, what we've been going with all season long is what we're going to go with. He's not going to be available. He will be with the team, but he's going to be a cheerleader. There's no going to be will he, won't he. There's no going to be thinking about, but what happens if Landis God comes back? This he's is not, not. This is not Zion Williamson who went out when his team was going extraordinarily well, winning almost two-thirds of its games, and they end up in the play-in and they get eliminated. This is not the same thing. Uh, 
for all of the greatness, particularly when it comes to tenacity and leadership that Landeskog has provided over the years, they have not had him all year long. They've grown accustomed to playing without him. Mm -hmm. And let's say you did bring him back, assuming they win in the first round. You bring him back for the second round. Well, what are you going to do with him? Which line are you going to put him on? He can't play, at least at the outset, he can't play more than 10 or 12 minutes a game. How are you going to distribute those minutes? Uh, Even fourth-line guys get almost as much ice time as that. Mm -hmm. So how on earth are you going to take somebody who can only play 10 to 12 minutes, who ordinarily would be on the top line or the second line, and for 10 or 12 minutes weave him into the game? Okay, people say you put him on a power play. Doesn't have to do a lot of skating on the power play, and he's a presence in front of the net. Okay, but their power play is almost as hot as Edmonton's and has been for several weeks, if not several months now. They are a top-five power play team in the NHL. Okay, you move Landeskog onto the second power play unit instead of the first. Well, okay, who do you take out? And if if there is... I mean, I can tell you right now, the player who stands to benefit from this the most, and, and we've talked about him of late, and that's Ben Myers. Ben Myers, who has has come up and looked. Pretty, ben Myers will have a spot. He will have lineup. a spot. I mean, that that is basically, he's going to have that spot. He, he's been playing well. He's been getting yeah. more time. You know, Helms out, too, and there's no sign that he's Helms seems to be to come back further away. Soon. So I think in Myers' case, uh, Jared Bednar raved about him. Yeah, after the Edmonton game, he's, been he's playing well, rapidly improving, and he has you know he has the size, he has the physicality, he has the game is slowing down for him. Uh, at 24 years old in his basically second season, coming out of Minnesota, a very very high value player at Minnesota. This is his opportunity, and this is the kind of the situation you don't like the injury situation the way it is, but there is some value in having it laid out clearly prior to the playoffs. Than, than sitting here going, but when we get player X back, that's not a thing. And I I think for the avalanche, and I don't mean to pile on the nuggets from last year, but we saw the situation with Jamal Murray happening last year. The will he, won't he, is he coming back? Is the team letting him know Jamal Murray's decision? All that sort of stuff. I think this is a wise move for the Avs. They played this out as long as they could. We're down to two games left in the season to see if, if Landeskog was realistically going to be able to make it back. They've decided he, he can't. And instead of dancing around it in the way that sometimes hockey teams do, oh, well, we're still looking. Well, he's week to week or day to day. They just decided, no, you know what? Let's just make it clear. Gabriel Landeskog is missing the remainder of this season, however long it lasts in the playoffs, and this is what we're rolling with. The Chicago Blackhawks, in a very different context, have announced that Jonathan Taves is done as a Chicago Blackhawk. Right. He will not be coming back next year. Um, I kind of hope if he's physically able that he might come here, but he will not be playing in Chicago. Again, there are different factors involved there. He's had long-term COVID and uh, all, all kinds of health issues in recent years, but they have made it very clear they are intending to do, and he is not in their plans. And again, in a different context, I think this is a healthy announcement made at exactly the right time 
So no one in and around the team is under the impression that there is a chance that you sit around throughout the playoffs waiting for the possibility that he might come back. Now they have basically scratched him, and he will be around uh, as much of a presence as he can be without playing, but they have to be healthy, dressing healthy players in the playoffs and playing the brand of hockey that they have been playing for three months now. Now, you've talked about how important, and we've had, we've had guests, uh, Todd Romero from Altitude joined us, and uh, a couple of weeks ago you said the same thing when we are talking about what players needed to return in what order. How much harder is the task of defending the Stanley Cup well, without Gabe Landeskog? I, I, I think it's very hard to win the Stanley Cup without your captain and one of your best players, who even playing at almost certainly less than 100% last year, during the playoffs, knowing that there might be a price to pay, and he sacrificed at least this season in order to have played last year in the Stanley Cup playoffs and been a major factor in the avalanche winning the Stanley Cup. Of course, it'll be harder for all the reasons I outlined at the time. But I've also said, and I believe you have been in agreement with me on this point, since we began on March 13th, I have said emphatically that I don't believe he'll be coming back this year. I think if you were to rate those players in terms of their import and impact on the team, then he would top the list for me because he's the captain and he is capable of providing inspiration. And his playing even 15 minutes a game, if it could happen that way, that would have some value for the Colorado Avalanche. But the minute... They started talking about, well, if he gets back, we'll have to work him in 10, 12 minutes a game at first. He's not coming back, and he shouldn't come back under those circumstances. And again, on this good news, bad news day, we're about to, here in a few minutes, deliver some good news. Yep. But for now, this there's no other way to put it. This loss will sting. It does. But, but this listen, has been one of the best they, teams in the they league. They have gone... 29 7 and 4 in their last 40 games. A half season minus one and, and, game. And they have done it without Landeskog in the lineup. And get this. Even a great player, if he's out for a long period of time, a great team can adjust and learn to play without him. Being in and out of the lineup does nobody any good. And having the idea in the back of your mind that well, maybe he'll come back, I don't think that's healthy either. He's either in or he's out, and physically it's not wise or perhaps even possible physically for him to play right now. You fast forward ahead to the start of next year, and hopefully he's raring to go. Come October. And I talked about this a few weeks ago, and I, and I think, again, this draws this to a more clear point. When you're talking about, in, in Colorado sports history, the give everything your all to win a, win a championship, of course, John Elway's sort of helicopter hit in their first Super Bowl win is the gold standard. And I get that because it happened in the game and uh, it, it did make a difference and I'm not knocking it down. But I said a couple weeks ago and I'll say it again. 
to my mind, the most significant sacrifice for the team to win a title that's ever happened in Denver sports history is Gabriel Landeskog coming back from which everybody knew too soon from knee surgery, literally gambling his career, trying to help the Avs win a Stanley Cup during a championship window that you never know how long it's open, and succeeding and playing brilliantly in those playoffs. And now we know it cost him the entire title defense season, right. and, and who knows how much longer. I will still contend. Who knows how much longer, that's right. It may cut a year off his career, at least. greatest sacrificing yeah, everything right. for the team to win a I title agree. I have ever seen in Colorado sports And history. we likened it to Willis Reed because we were talking about the subject at about the time that Willis Reed passed away a few weeks ago. And we were talking about, um, and I certainly can speak to this because I lived it, um, that what he did in dragging himself onto the floor for that seventh game and contributing all sorts of things that were intangible rather than tangible. He had four points and three rebounds in the game. But he hit the first two shots of the game. Um, Will Chamberlain did not play him aggressively, and it opened up everything for the Knickerbockers that night, and particularly for Walt Frazier, who had the game of a lifetime. And I'm talking about anybody's lifetime with 36 points, 19 assists, seven rebounds, and who knows how many steals he made. Uh, in that game. I remember the steals he did make were impactful. In any case, Willis Reed knew, and the Knicks knew, that playing with that thigh injury that night with uh, muscle strain or muscle tear would shorten his career, that it would compromise him. And in fact, by the end of the following season, he was in unbearable pain. He missed the entire 1971-72 season, two years after the championship, and he came back a much compromised player, although he, again, through sheer force of will, managed to win the finals MVP in 1973, averaging 18 points and 12 rebounds in the finals against Wilt Chamberlain and Jerry West and the Los Angeles Lakers, who were the defending champions and won 33 straight games the year before. But Willis was done after that. He barely played in 73-74, and he retired after that season at the age of 31. I don't certainly anticipate that with Gabriel Landeskog. I certainly don't wish it upon him. But if they have properly uh, taken care of the knee, it's probably best that he take another six months before he tries to play. In November, Gabriel Landeskog turns 31. The... And I don't want his career to be no. over after next year, as it was with Willis Reed. And the, the uh, and you keep in mind we talk about the situation with Reed. In Landeskog's case, knowing that that playing on that was a risk and compromising the future of your career to a certain extent, Landeskog played twenty games on that damaged knee last year. Twenty in the Stanley Cup run, scoring eleven goals mm-hmm. and, and eleven assists, and being a plus fifteen, tied for high on the team. And he was brilliant. In, in the postseason, to play 20 of those games they, they, on a knee that was not healed. They, they went 16-4 and four in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, they swept the first series they played and the third series they played and played six games and won four games to two in the second series, St. Louis, and in the Stanley Cup final Same against thing, Tampa yeah. Bay. 
even at 16-4, I would submit that they would not have won the Stanley Cup without Gabriel Landeskog. I agree. Even yeah. in going 16-4 and four and getting major contributions from other people, his presence and his tangible contribution was essential to their winning and certainly winning as easily as they did. At 20 games, they would have had to go without him, even on the slight chance that they could have won the Cup. It wouldn't have happened in 20 games. So a uh, bad news for the Avalanche. Obviously, that is a a disappointing outcome and and not something that uh, obviously anyone was looking for, but that is the reality of the situation. Gabe Landeskog will be ruled out for the remainder of the postseason, the Avalanche will have to learn to adjust. But well, they've been learning all year. All year they, long. They've, they've had a lot of practice. And some good news is coming as well on the injury front. So we'll, we'll take that bad, and then we'll, uh, we'll leave you with some good stuff that uh, not only will happen in time for the playoffs, but some of it tonight. We'll talk about it next on My Life Sports. Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar, weekdays at 2 on Mile High Sports. All right, after the bad news, deep breath, Avs fans, because things get better. We've talked about some of the other injuries. Now, we don't know anything about Darren Helm. We know that Landis Gog is is out for the remainder of the playoffs. But good news, uh, Josh Manson set to return for game one of the playoffs. Manson earlier today. Uh, said it, quote, it's been a little tougher with the end of the season schedule. I think the timing is right for game one. He's expected to be back for uh, game one of the playoffs. That would be great because get this, Sandy, since the November 5th game in Finland, the, let's say, top top five because of the injury situation, uh, McCarr, Devontaves, Manson, Sam Gerard, Bowen, Byram, right? Only those five guys. Let's not even put Eric Johnson in there. With a broken ankle. One <laughs> of those five guys has missed at least... One of those of them has been out in every game since they were in Finland yeah. in November. Right, right. And even Eric Johnson had the broken ankle that sidelined him for a while. They have just been emasculated by injury. And so now defense. Manson expected to be back for and game, for game there, one. there's the hope that by game one you'll get everybody And McCarr, by the way, Jared Bednar said he was unsure if McCarr was going to travel with the team for Friday night's finale simply because if the division gets decided tonight, which is possible but no point but not playing a lot of folks Uh, they won't even bring people he said they're they're not even gonna fly so we'll find out how that goes uh tonight but it also sounds like mccart would travel with the team if things were down not that he'd play yeah but but they want him with the team and maybe take an extra skate or two which indicates he may be coming back for game one or real close to it as well and that would be bringing the at all six you were suggesting the all once finally you were suggesting the, the, the other night, uh, or the other afternoon on our program here, that McCarr probably, had it been a key playoff game, certainly would have played the other night. against. It, it was Western Conference Final against the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, I game think, two, I think game three, okay, of a 1-1 series, let's say, he would have played the other night. It wasn't necessarily wise 
to consider bringing him back against that team. And maybe the same was true with Manson, who was flying in practice from what we heard. Mm-hmm. Yesterday. Right. Katie Goss yesterday out there at practice uh, talked about that. And uh, in McCarr's case, Yes, every indication, even from even Jared Bednar, who played a little bit coy about it, would be that if that was a playoff game, would have gone. But it doesn't make sense to put McCarr out there with the kind of wheels that you're competing with McDavid and Dreisaitl and Nugent Hopkins and company. And it is a lower body injury, after all. It is, uh, as is Manson's. But Manson expected back for game one. McCarr, uh, the, the Avs did not have an update on that, except the fact he may not, may not travel if right. the Avs get everything done. But the presumption is, if not game one, close to it. But then the other... Uh, significant player injured Arturi Lekin and has missed 15 games after having that broken finger. Well, he's back tonight. Lekin mm-hmm. will be back in the lineup against the Jets tonight uh, after missing those those 15 games. That is a great sign. Obviously, we had heard about him being able to skate too, and as we said, broken finger uh, on the top hand. If you, as long as you can hold the stick, and and, and once the finger is healed, it's healed. You're not necessarily worried about it. It's not something that's torn or something that you can't really re-aggravate a break if it's healed. It's You're good to go. And so uh, good news there, Arturi Lekkonen coming back in. Uh, maybe a little bit of a uh, no time like the president after Landeskog ruled out for the rest of the playoffs. But Lekkonen coming back tonight. Manson coming back game one. Perhaps, if not even maybe likely, McCarr coming back game one. It certainly feels like the Avs have enough to get past whoever they end up with in the first round, whether that is the Seattle Kraken or the LA Kings. I agree. And you imagine the defense pairing. Or the Minnesota Wild, for that matter, if something were to go haywire in the next couple of games. You'd have McCarr with Taves. You'd have Byron with Manson. You'd have Gerard with Eric Johnson, which is the way it went last year until Gerard got broken sternum. Right? Yep. And really wasn't right the first half of the season. I didn't think. He was uh, still agreed. recovering. Uh, it looked as physical as he's ever looked in the very last much game. Much better second half of the season. Mm-hmm. And last night, uh, night before, he was as physical as I've ever seen ever. him ever. I agree. In a game for the Avalanche. I, I've never seen him play like that. And in reserve, you'd have Jack Johnson, mm-hmm. you'd have Hunt, mm-hmm. and you'd have McDermott. In that order. Now you're, now you're deep. Now you're deep. And That's I, deep. And maybe depth. and maybe hunt even over Jack Johnson, depending on the situation. Could be. Could be. Uh, we know that. But that's a nice problem Johnson to have. did score a recent goal, but Hunt can really shoot it from the point. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm thinking about even on the power play, Lekkonen was a part of that before he was injured. Right. You get McCarr back. Help. Then you can put Taves in the second power play unit. Not that he hasn't been terrific on the first, right. because he has been. But you can put car levels of and move Taves to the second unit. And your power play, which has been so good in recent weeks, gets even better. And, yeah, you hold your breath a little bit with McCarr, even if he does come back, because he's been hurt so often this year. With various ailments. Lower body, although this is supposedly a fresh injury. For a second time, lower body. He was also concussed twice within a three-week period, which was a little unsettling. Mm -hmm. Maybe a lot unsettling. So you worry about those things. However, 
if they are healthy on defense with this goaltender, then I think you could average in the playoffs 2.75 to three goals a game and maybe get by with that. It's going to keep you in I would say, though, once you got to the Western Conference Final and you went up against Edmonton, uh, you'd need more goal scoring than that. And certainly if you somehow got through Edmonton and became the Western champion again, then in the Stanley Cup final against Boston, presumably you might need at least as much as you needed against Edmonton. Although Boston, I, I think, is less explosive than Edmonton, but perhaps a little better defensively. And Boston has just been brilliant all year. Uh, we talked about rough patches earlier with the Nuggets being few and far between. With Boston, they've been non-existent. Right. It's Basically, not a matter of few yeah. and far between. It's non-existent on a team that has gone 64-12-5 and five and set the all-time record for wins in the season and points in the season now with 133. Their winning percentage, 821. We were talking about the Western Conference team in the NBA having a winning percentage of even 650 this year. Boston's at 821. The next team, there's no team that's even at 700. That's how far ahead of the pack Boston's been. Uh, The next highest team in winning percentage is Carolina at 685. That's a difference of winning 68.5% of your games or getting 68.5% of the points and more than 82% of the points. That's a gargantuan difference. But if, you, if you're the Avs, you cross that bridge when you come to it. And and bringing Lekkanen back, let, let's assume, because it was a broken finger, I mean, some of it is going to be conditioning, but... They've been the third best team for, for all these months. Three mm-hmm. months, all right? They've been the third best team, uh, tied with Edmonton, behind Boston. Yeah. Over the last three months, they now become, again, the third best team. And that isn't bad. Maybe Boston gets upset. Maybe even Edmonton gets upset. You've won two Not out of three games impossible. against Edmonton this year. You played three overtime games against them. You've won two of them. And maybe McCarr finds the brilliance in the playoffs that's been elusive simply because he hasn't played enough games. He hasn't been out there for long enough for a sustained period during the regular season. I mean, when it's the nature of the Stanley Cup playoffs. If team X versus the field, you take the field every time. I don't care who the team is. You well, take what are the Boston field. Stanley Cup chances? One and three? You're right. I mean, it's two out of three that they're so not. So you take the field. You take the is field. two-thirds possibility that Boston will not win the Stanley Cup. The in the Avs case, we're getting Lekkanen back tonight. I don't know if he's going to hop up on that second play, power play unit right off the bat. Maybe he's not, but it reinforces it a lot because now all of a sudden, you, you know, you have that well, second well, he unit. He won't definitely be on the first one. No. We know that, but, and he was on the first one at times this year. Yeah, I don't think he'll do that, but perhaps on the second with Newhook and Rodriguez. Sure, sure. With, uh, oh, absolutely. Gerard and Byram. Absolutely. That's, no that's, a, that's a boost. No doubt. It's a big boost to have him on. Absolutely, that. it is. And so, yeah, now there's an opportunity very and quickly to make a difference. He's one of those guys. And he's too, the best four checker know. they've got. Yeah. First line, you can use him with Kinnan and Renton. Second line, with Comfer and Nashushkin, you can put him on a wing. Third line, you can put him left wing, right wing, on a third line. Where would you use like an end of night? I think I'd throw him right on the top line. 
I might. I think I'd throw it right I up might. there with McKinnon and Rantanen. Because Randon. I think Nashushkin and Comfer have proven to have chemistry on the second line. And I'd leave that one as is mm-hmm. and put Lekkonen up. I'd put him right on. I'd put Rodriguez right on, on, the, on the second line. Me too, with Comfort okay. and Nachushkin. That's what I'd do. And put Lekkonen up with McKinnon and Rent. That's what I would do. I, we, we will see, obviously. Two interesting things. Uh, notes there are two games to get it done. But rem- remember. And, and, and let's remember, Lekkonen, even missing 15 games, a 20-goal score mm-hmm. in 2022-23. Nathan McKinnon is a 39-goal scorer, so an opportunity to get his 40th in the next two, that would, of course, be his first uh, season at, at that point. And Miko Random with 54 needs only one more to separate himself. Right now, he is tied with Joe Sackett for the Avalanche single season record, not the franchise record. That's right. Michelle Goulet right. four different times with the Nordiques. <laughs> yeah. But uh, with the Avalanche, he's tied an opportunity for Rantanen to get 55, which would give him that all alone against a Winnipeg Jets team that is resting uh, five of its starters and its outstanding starting goaltender, Connor Hellebuck. So you like the, the Avs' chances. They're going to need to get it done because if the uh, Stars-Blues game was any indication, I would imagine the Stars will win it again. <laughs> so uh, the Avs have to take care of business tonight, but we will see if they should, will. Yeah, they that's should. fine, right? I mean, you challenge the playoffs for the if Avs kind of start now. Copper contend for the Cup, then you should be able to win these two games. One would think. We will find out, of course, if that is the case. We'll find out. We'll be talking about it. Tomorrow, but it's time for us to hand things off to our friends at Afternoon Drive with uh, Neil Pierre and Cody Rourke. They'll be coming up soon. Thanks to Danny Bailey in the booth for making uh, everything sound good. Thanks to Andrew Detmer for the video, uh, wearing his Cardinals shirt, gloating after his Cardinals beat the Rockies yesterday, which is why he wasn't here yesterday. Anyway, fine. Enjoy, Andrew. It'll take more than beating the Rockies to uh, elevate the Cardinals. <laughs> that was only so many times. Championship contending status this year. <laughs> we'll be back tomorrow to see. talk more about this, obviously. Uh, we'll I'll talk about the Nuggets as well because the playing tournament will be tomorrow. Uh, Nuggets will find that out too, so we'll break those both down and probably not the Broncos OTAs because they're keeping the lid on that. But I'm bet I'm bet is no news good news. Yes, we will yes. find out in September. But you might find out a little news anyway because with uh, Anilo and Cody, Cody's got the inside. So make sure you pay attention here for Sandy. You, Clough, you mean he's become embedded? He's, somehow? he's embedded. Oh. He's embedded. That's what we'll call it. And uh, yeah, so make sure you stay there for Sandy Glove. I'm Sean Drotar. Anilo and Cody are up next on My Life Sports. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.